Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Thanks for joining us again here on Crunching the Numbers with Shane Leonard and Mark Sopoulos. We are here once again to dissect the game of tennis and uh, thanks again for joining us, Shane. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Uh, look, I think we discussed a lot based around the winning ratios of the best players and we spoke a little bit about how Rafael Nadal was obviously the, our prime example winning probably 54, 55% of points on the clay courts and being so dominant on clay, we expected him to have a high ratio. He doesn't and I think it's to be expected that we are going to lose almost half the points that we do play, Shane. So I think, you know, looking back on that, that was probably one of our key points. The other one was the winning the zero to four rallies. I think that was another big point we did speak about. What was the percentage of points that finished within four shots? Well, I think I think the average rally is about four point four shots. Yeah, um, and I think it was around seventy percent. Yeah, seventy percent of points finished within four shots. So hopefully you've been able to go away this week and practice the the start of the point where the serve and return become very crucial and also playing to your strengths so we did speak about Nadal and on those big moments he does play to his strengths in terms of his big you know his serve out wide to the to the right hand as backhand and then following it with a forehand so hopefully as a listener out there you've been able to take something from our first episode of crunching the numbers today is a little bit different we're going to talk a little bit about something that I guess not many people will have heard before or spoken about or maybe even coached and that is shot chains so can you explain to us Shane with your data hat on what shot chains mean to the average person there's probably a couple of ways to to define it but the way I, I define it is it's shots hit in a row by a player so this excludes what the opponent hits so for instance a, a shot chain of three after your serve could be forehand cross court forehand down the middle forehand down the line at this stage we're just looking at your own shots and in terms of uh, why I, I like to limit it to two or three shots when, when you analyse a shot chain is the average rally, as we talked about, is 4.4. You, so you don't want to look at a shot chain that's longer than that. So to me, like as a coach, listening to that explanation, why is it important for me as a coach to know? Or if you're a player out there or a parent listening to this podcast, why is it important to that, to that person that's out there on the court? We talk about taking advantage early in the rallies and then the big players doing a lot of damage uh, to their opponents early in the rally. So in a shot chain, you, you want to maximise the shots early in that shot chain that are going to give you the, the greatest reward. And and we go back to that first week, that 53% of points won. It's not a, a big difference between the top and the, and the bottom. So any little thing that you can do to try and um, get your best shots out there is significant. And I guess that's probably uh, the the biggest thing under pressure is that when we get to pressurised situations and we're standing up on the line ready to serve, if we know our best shot chains, it probably lifts our probability of winning that point. I know you've done that with my players as well. He said to me, these are the kind of sequences that they need to utilize under pressure. So have you got anyone in particular in mind that you have, I guess, an example of that might use a certain shot chain? I do. I might actually jump into a story. Um, I Last year, I worked with a particular coach um, and player, and, and they were actually arguing, well, not arguing, but, but they were disagreeing in terms of what they thought their, their best shot pattern was. So mm-hmm. the player had a certain view, and then the coach had a view, and I, I came into this tie break with the data, and yeah, presented it back to them, and, and it turned out the coach 
actually had the fourth best option and the player had the 18th best option. Wow. So it, that, that in itself was quite interesting. And I think that's an interesting fact. Like I, I always have discussions with my players around what I think is best, but the coach only has the eyes. And I think this is the big thing that we spoke about last week was we spoke about the data gives us the fact now, a coach can have an opinion and have the eyes and say, this is what I'm seeing, but data gives you the pure fact. And I think when, you, when you're when you dealing with people's opinions, they're going to differ a lot of the time, um, and especially if you clash from a personality perspective. But I think the the what you're talking about here is that you've given them the fact behind what is actually happening, and they're just trying to guess, I guess, at the end of the day. Absolutely. And and it, look, it, it worked out really well. We, we looked at the vision after that. Um, they had a, a block after the French Open and Wimbledon and where they trained um, some of the, the new information, the patterns, and, and they had a lot of success on, on, the, on the grass following that. Um, but going back to your original question, I, I had a look at Serena uh, Williams, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal in terms of on-break points or under pressure what patterns they play and they they'll alternate between their top five shot chains of three so they'll revert back to their strengths uh, under pressure so nadal would he be obviously the serve wide and utilizing the forehand probably as many times as he possibly can early in the rally yeah absolutely and that's um not just on the clay even on 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 the hard court and grass He, he he does like to go to that pattern um I've noticed in recent years he's um, actually using the forehand up the line on, on the quicker surfaces a bit more with the second shot in the rally. But, yeah, I think under pressure he does like to use the serve out wide. I think that up the line shot, and this is obviously for that tennis lover out there watching Nadal play, he generally plays his forehand up the line to enable him to get to the other side of the court and use his forehand from his backhand corner, if that makes sense. That's right. And I think that's important because that's his, obviously his weapon and that's where he plays his best tennis from is in his backhand corner. Um, we talked about Djokovic. I reckon this might be an interesting one. I hope you can answer this one. But, you know, Djokovic's patterns, he's obviously, for me, looks like his backhand is never going to break down. It's his strength. It's something that he, he never misses. But I'm guessing, though, being a male player, he's going to utilise his forehand as much as possible still. Yeah, absolutely. So um, while while his backhand is an incredible shield um, and and it can withstand a lot of pressure from from opponents, I think uh, Djokovic plays even better when he can use his off forehand and and even the inside in forehand purely because I think biomechanically the forehand can still generate a bit more power. Yeah, and that's right. From a biomechanics perspective, the actual rotation that you can get on a forehand compared to a double-handed backhand is about ten percent more on rotation, which means a little bit more elastic energy built up. And from elastic energy, we build a lot more power and force. So definitely the forehand will generate more speed. I'm interested to know about Serena. So obviously you brought up Serena as someone as well that you've looked at. What would be the difference between the male and female patterns of play? And what's Serena's patterns on that first three or four shots in terms of her shot chains? She can go big with the the forehand and backhand. In particular on her serve, she will use the forehand early in the shot chain. On the return... um, Sometimes you don't get the choice really on the first ball, um, so you can see that some of her shot chains start well with her backhand. Um, but she's also uh, I noticed that driving volley is something that she often gets on that third shot in the shot chain. Uh, why why does that happen though? Like we talk about drive volleys in female in the female game, why do you think Serena's able to get that on the third or fourth shot so comfortably compared to other female competitors? Look, I think she just hits the ball uh, harder yeah. than than. than most of the tour, I know a lot of the girls are now hitting uh, a lot harder as well. But she's also, uh, yeah, she takes it a bit early, so mm-hmm. 
the time's taken away from an opponent so she can move forward as well um, yep. because she's never starting that far deep. What else have you got in terms of our numbers for this week, Shane? It's interesting. I think I bought, bought up a couple of players, but uh, I didn't bring up a Federer. One of the, the challenges looking at, at Roger is he's, he's very hard to predict. And uh, being an all-court player, he can use a lot of different patterns and still have a success. So um, particularly in the last couple of years, that he does try and get to the net a bit more. So I've noticed um, a lot of the third shots in his chain are at the net. He's, he's definitely the hardest to predict of all the big players. So you're telling me, the man with all the numbers, the man with all the data, the guy who thinks he knows everything about the numbers of the game, is telling me that you cannot predict what Roger Federer is going to do on the big points. Uh, he's incredibly difficult to predict. Um, I think you can expect he wants to hit forehands uh, early in the shot chain. Other than that, yeah, he's very clever in terms of uh, he can use his slice, he can, yeah, he can dice you many ways. I guess that looking from the outside in, now the coach's hat comes on here, is I look at athletes that we're developing and anyone out there that's an athlete or, or a parent or, or coach out there looking to develop someone it's so important to have so many facets to your game that you can actually turn to at the big moments so you're less predictable similar to what ash barty has been able to bring to the female game and roger Federer, obviously for so many years it just makes such a difference when nobody knows what shot chains that you're going to produce at any particular time yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the other analysis we do, so I'll present this shot chain, what your best um, shot chain is compared to how often you use it. But another layer of analysis I put on it is predictability. So if a particular shot chain works well once, but if you continue using that shot chain, does your opponent start reading it? And that's that's a, a layer that you need to consider. So you can't use the same pattern over and over again. And you, you want to be able to pick a, a shot pattern that's robust enough to use for a majority of your points. Well, I'm going to challenge you on that Shane so I know you're the man behind all the numbers but out on the court one of the big things that I talk to players about also is the ability to be able to have a certain pattern of play that they can turn to at any particular moment regardless of whether the opponent can read it as long as you can execute it well enough the opponent still has to execute the pattern against you now We're going to conflict here, I know, because you're going to tell me the numbers, but I'm going to look at it and say, I do love the way Nadal plays. We know where he's going to hit the ball. We know how he's going to hit the ball. We know what he's going to try and do, but it's bloody hard to get to counter that. I actually think we're closer than than you think oh, on this one. Okay, well, let's have a look. Because I think with the shot chain, I'm talking. There are certain patterns that are going to be successful. Might not be your best shot chain, but it's a shot chain that is successful and is robust. So this is where no matter how predictable it is, you're still going to have success. So Nadal on clay, that particular pattern that we're well aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't, you can't do anything. There's very few on, on the men's tour that can counter that. That's a robust pattern. There could be another pattern where it's up the line, up the line, up the line, which might work once in a while, but it wouldn't be a robust pattern for him. Yeah, I got you. All right. All right. We, we can agree to disagree, but we can agree a little bit more than I think we can agree. Yeah, that's right. If that's you get me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think that's a really important point. And how do players out there, without the use of someone like yourself, for example, how is someone out there able to utilize shot chains when they don't really know the data behind what they're doing? How can they get the numbers to back up what they are thinking or feeling from an opinion perspective? Look, I, I think it's always important for a player to, to look at their own vision. So um, when you're on court, you might not be able to process everything. Um, you're very reactive. Um, 
but after the match, it's it's important to to look at the vision and then and then you might be able to pick up and go, okay, you know that shot was good, that shot was good, and and then you you go out and practice what you think is working well, and then hopefully it becomes ingrained. Um, I'm not aware of a lot of resources out there that do this. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a real challenging one because I feel when a player you give a player a shot pattern that might be successful for them, but they don't feel comfortable enough to do it. And that's the challenge I feel as the coach is being able to say to a player. You know, your, your forehand cross into your forehand line, into your runaround forehand are your three best shot sequences that you utilise and you have a 70% chance of winning the point. And they tell me that their forehand is not their favourite shot. How do I then convince my athlete? Is it through pure numbers? Is it through showing vision and numbers? You know, what do you think from, from your side of the fence? Yeah, look, it's, it's a combination. It's, um, I, I think you, the, the numbers are one part of it, but sometimes you do need to visually see it in action to kind of get that buy-in. I, I, I go back to that early example with the player that we worked with. We had to show vision, and we showed vision over and over of what he thought was his strength and vision of what the data showed. And, and it, it took a bit of that for him to get that buy-in, and I think that's the same no matter what level you're at. I'm glad you you said that it's all about the buy-in it's all about building that relationship with your athlete and I think from a coaching perspective we need to be able to build that you know significantly before we even introduce things like this but the other thing also is once you do identify those patterns it's not just about going into the match and doing it it's actually about practicing the patterns and enabling the player to practice it over and over again to make sure it's ingrained into what they need to do on the match day. There's no point going into a match and saying to them, you need these three shot chains, and then they haven't practiced it previously, um, and then they expect, they're expect they expected to go out there and execute it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just, I think, um, practice on court. It's it's physically being able to do it uh, over and over again. So there's right. there's, there's movement uh, elements, there's stuff at the gym that you've got to do to be able to execute that pattern. So there's lots of it that go in. And really, we want to shift the overuse of patterns that are not successful and try and get players to play points um, with patterns that do bring success. So if you can try and learn your dominant shot chains, whether it's by watching video or getting some data, do that and then practice them until they're ingrained. Um, and, And that means not only hitting on the court but doing the physical work off the court so you're able to play those patterns over and over again uh, if you need to for three four hours obviously we've just given you a taste of the analysis here there are other layers to look at like what an opponent might do trying to predict the shots they'll hit in response to your hits and and you can actually take this analysis a lot further and and we do with with certain of our athletes for the data nerds i use the uh, rules and spader packages in the r library i think there's equivalent python packages in their library as well for for secret calculation. Now I might add a key part of this process um, for the analyst is to really work out with the coach the best way to present this information whether it's a table, a court visual, um, drawing the shot chain out um, and in fact in, in recent times I've actually got a 3D VR tool that we we use to show the shot chain with 360 degrees. So really work that out quite early on and then make sure it's something simple and um, and the athlete can pick up straight away and and doesn't have to dive in too much. Certainly if you're interested in this kind of analysis, contact uh, Data-Driven Sports Analytics. Um, It's also going to be a part of the strategic and data advice that Mark and I will be making available um, um, as part of the tennis menu. Great. I appreciate you obviously 
diving deep into these numbers around the shot chains. I think it's really important for people out there to, to listen and to learn. And, and I think we want to make this a real learning kind of podcast as opposed to us just, just telling people stuff. I think it's important that we learn from it and we take as much as we can onto the court and we can practice it as much as possible. Thanks so much again, Shane. I really appreciate it. Obviously, we're brought to you by the Tennis Menu. Look us up online and Dutta Driven Sports Analytics, where Shane is. And, you know, we're really excited to bring this to you because I think this is a real hidden gem in the game of tennis. It's been in a lot of other sports for many years and tennis is now diving in deep into the data data protocols of, uh, of the game and we can really dissect the numbers, give you a better understanding of what tennis is actually looking like and going to look like moving forward. So thanks for your time, Shane, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get next week's up and running and uh, go again. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Bye. You've been listening to Crunching the Numbers. Make sure you subscribe to receive all the First Serve podcast. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.